0: Thank you for listening to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Star Strength and Conditioning. We believe that by creating positive habits in sleep, mindset, nutrition, relationships, movement mobility, and training, you have the ability to become better than yesterday. Hello everyone and welcome to another Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Paul Dick, and I'm sitting here with Super Dave Lipshin. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> They, they won't answer back, Dave. It's oh. just, yeah. <laughs> That'd uh, be nice, though. I was confused, yeah. yeah it's all good. <laughs> no, uh, 100,000 people, audience. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have Dave here. We were just chatting. Um, trying to think of when when I actually met him and how long ago that was. And and, and we decided it was, like, around 20 years ago. At least 20, yep. Yeah. And uh, that's when I was kind of, like, getting into triathlon and, and with Tribalistic. And even before that, I was doing uh, like do athlon and stuff like that because I didn't know how to swim yet. So didn't (laughs) didn't join a tri team until I learned how to swim. But, uh, yeah, Dave was jumping in on some of the workouts and then we kind of talked about, uh, how far back he, he started triathlon. So maybe let give, give the listeners a bit of a rundown on who you are right now. And then we'll like jump way back to like your triathlon career from over 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 32 years old then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right now, I'm the uh, owner, head coach, director of Windburn Multisport Academy. Um, So we run uh, a full triathlon program uh, yearly, uh, so pretty much training uh, full 12 months a year. Uh, We do have some natural breaks in our training schedule, but... uh, um, we usually run around uh, that 40, 45 athletes uh, at any given time. And uh, I'm now the uh, owner and race director of the Riding Mountain Triathlon, which is Manitoba's premier race. Uh, it's kind of the biggest destination shameless, shameless race. Shameless plug here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make sure you show up yeah. and book your campsite yeah. on April 1st. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so we've been, I've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, started triathlon pretty much by, uh, uh, I guess I was 15, so 32 years or so ago, and uh, it was uh, one of my buddy's parents had came outside when we were playing basketball, and she mentioned that she signed my friend up to uh, Kids of Steel triathlon that was happening in Transcona at the time. And... Uh, She had an extra entry form, because that was the way we used to do things. You had to fill it out and mail it in. And uh, anyway, so she asked if I wanted to go with them uh, the next weekend. And uh, so I took this entry form home. No idea really what I was walking into. And uh, signed up, got my parents to sign it. And when we showed up, the, uh, the night before, we were playing basketball at my buddy's place. And then we decided that maybe we should try running down the street to make sure that we could actually do it. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we ended up going to this race. And, you know, of course, we brought our super crappy mountain bikes out of the garage.
0: And uh, I was going to say, did you have a bike or did you have to steal one? Or Yeah,
1: what? <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, uh, for me, I was lucky. I was a paper boy, so I, I had a bike. It yeah. wasn't anything fancy like today. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, uh, him and I ended up, having a really good go. We, uh, we finished 1-2 overall in the race. Nice. <clears throat> Who was first? My friend beat me, yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, he still holds that world title over my head, Yeah. Uh, 12 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, um, triathlon's a weird sport. It's one of those sports where you either love it or hate it. There's no in-between. There's no such thing is really the weekend warrior because you have to kind of do this all the time in order to make it somewhat enjoyable so you're either in or you're not in and uh, at the end of that race um, I was 100% in it was like that was the kind of the most painful but fun kind of experience that I could ever put myself through and my buddy who actually won Hated it. It was like, <laughs> wow, what was I thinking? I'm yeah. going to go back to just swimming. So like basketball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was done. So that was his one and done. Mm-hmm. And that was my beginning of the big triathlon world that I got into now. And uh, anyway, the kind of cool part about that story is about uh, five years later, um, I, was, I had graduated. I was living in Calgary, and I was working for, for my uncle. He had a couple sports stores out there. And ended up phoning my buddy's parents up uh, one evening. Just figured I should give them a heads up and say thank you. And really what I was saying was uh, thank you for taking me to my uh, first triathlon ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, anyway, so my buddy's mom was like, okay, that's cool. Kind of random Mm -hmm. that you called all of a sudden. Anyway, uh, the reason why I called was uh, I had qualified for Switzerland for the world championships um, and I was leaving the next day. So it was kind of like a say thank you for now, opening a world that I've never yeah. experienced or never figured I'd be on.
0: Yeah.
1: And here I was going international in a competition that I that somebody had to break me into that world, and, and it just happened to be the uh, my buddy's parents that uh, took me out to the first one. Uh, and then it, for me, anyway, I never looked back. Uh, it was just the beginning of endless opportunities. No kidding. Yeah. And so you were 21, 22 at the time? <clears throat> no, I was uh, 15 when I started triathlon and then yeah. uh uh 22 uh
0: for um Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So what it, were you following Programming? Were you just doing random stuff? Like, what were you? What were you doing uh, at to get to At the very that beginning, point? there
1: wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of stuff organized yeah. for actually training. And uh, the sport is an older sport, so it starts uh, generally. It was a lot of older populations, so twenties, thirties, forties We're doing the big races uh, like Ironman distance races that are very large. And uh, but there wasn't really many younger type of triathlon groups or teams. Uh, There was some of the uh, uh, triathlon clubs that were starting up at that time as well, Uh, but nothing was really very serious at that point. And then um, eventually uh, Dave Markham, who was kind of like the uh, guru in Manitoba for triathlon, uh, had a uh, provincial team. It was fairly small. There was about maybe 10 of us on that team and, uh, and he was taking a group out to Edmonton for, for the national championships. And, um, so pretty much anybody that was about 16, maybe a little bit younger, 15, all the way to about 20, 24, um, that was racing triathlon. So at that time there wasn't a ton of us, but yeah. we went yeah. and it was, a, it was a great time. Trail breakers. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then we, uh, then we started, for me anyway, I was actually, because I lived in the country, um, I was actually making up training just to get better at it. So yeah. definitely probably not the way to go, <laughs> especially after doing a university degree and realizing all the mistakes I did while I was trying to invent how to train for this kind of race. Yeah. And, uh, but I actually was working at canadian tire on regent but i lived in st andrews so it was about a 27 kilometer bike ride so i would ride a road bike down the perimeter to canadian tire and regent work an eight hour shift get back on my bike ride home Mm -hmm. and then run down to the school which is another five kilometers back and forth each way (laughs) and uh you know, of course, there was, like, no such thing as, like, proper warm-up or yep. cool-down and stretching and nothing like that. That would be, like, get on your bike, try to beat the <laughs> clock because you're probably five minutes late. Yep. You hammer all the way to work. You're yep. standing all day, turn around, come home, hammer out a run, and then immediately you got Simpsons back on the TV and you're sitting there getting super stiff. Yeah. So that was training when I was about 18 and 19. Uh Obviously, doing anything over doing nothing was one of the keys, right? So, uh, yes, I did get fast, but at the same time, you had to be, uh, you were probably setting yourself up for injuries down the road as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, And then how often were you swimming then? Uh, Swimming, yeah. Anyway... (laughs) uh,
1: so I started I started actually swim training a little more seriously when I moved to Calgary um, so I moved to Calgary right around 20 so right out of right out of um, or I guess a year out of uh, high school uh, I decided that I wasn't gonna do university at the beginning so I went and worked in Calgary my uncle had a sports store out there so I already knew I had a a job for at least the summer yeah. and then we'll kind of go from there and I had an opportunity to race the Alberta triathlon scene so it was just going to be kind of a neat thing and uh, at that point I didn't really know what I wanted to do as uh as a career or even for secondary school or anything um, so I headed off headed off to Calgary uh, at the time I joined a group called the Coaches Inc so that was the first time that I was ever in a very organized triathlon group that had professional coaches. Uh, so at the time, it was two coaches that ran uh, this business, and uh, that was all they did was uh, coach triathlon. So it was pretty pretty neat, and there was um, a good chunk of athletes from every walk of life, every body type you can imagine. And uh, anyway, and uh, that was that was uh, where I met. Uh, coach, Cal Zariski, who, uh, who now is the uh, owner and head coach of Critical Speed uh, in Alberta. Um, so I still keep in touch with him, and uh, it's pretty cool. We got lots of little bit of collaboration here and there for training. Anyway, uh, so that's kind of where I started a little more consistent swimming, two, three times a week. but. And you were getting programming from these coaches programming okay. so it was monthly it was a monthly thing uh, it, it really came down to uh, um, putting in consistent hours all the way through mm-hmm. uh, versus trying to do big chunks and then trying to recover from those big chunks and then go back to big chunks it was this, yeah. so it was a very different perspective. Uh, I actually found that I wasn't quite as beat up that I was before yeah. Uh different perspective in training as well i did probably 90 percent of my riding on a mountain bike for really? for triathlon and uh and actually found that when i would go onto the road um in kind of through my 20s uh you're still you're capable of going under <laughs> under an hour for 40 kilometers on a bike so so it was working uh, mountain biking gives you a huge amount of uh, interval training without really thinking about intervals because you're just trying not to fall over. You were, <laughs> so, you were
0: mount, like mountain biking on trails or you were mountain, mountain biking, biking on, on the road? Nope. Okay.
1: Yeah, everything was a uh, full trail mountain bike.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it actually built up your uh, uh, your bike handling skills huge. Yeah. By the time you get back on a road bike, it, it was nothing to ride straight, in a group. Yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that was, it was great. Yeah. Um, Plus it actually broke up the kind of the monotony of, of riding, riding on a straight road or riding solo or whatever. There's a lot of stuff happening. you got to be very alert on a mountain bike. Yeah. So it just tra- changed the perspective of, of the training so that it wasn't so repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then same with running, running was the same idea, lots of trail running. Um, so you're on lots of different surfaces. Once again, that protects you from getting injured by instead of just straight out running concrete all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and then we started getting into the open water swimming, uh, which at that point you're looking into uh, getting into wetsuits. And then uh, discovering that open water swimming is quite a bit different than pool swimming. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit slower because yeah. there's a lot less walls, yeah. obviously, and uh, um, no line on the ground. Can't to follow. see the line, and especially yeah. if you're swimming in Manitoba, you're not going to see anything. Generally, even the clearest clearest lake doesn't generally have too much of a of a, uh, optic to it. So, anyway, that was uh, that was kind of the the beginning for uh, more competitive triathlon uh, for myself.
0: So when you, so you went on the world, on the world stage, you went to Switzerland, um, to represent Canada. Yep. Uh, age group. So, uh, uh,
1: it wasn't professional. It was, uh, age category, uh, triathlon, uh, super fun, greatest experience ever. It basically lit the fire, uh, and basically, and made it so that there was like no turning back once you, once you went to an international competition Yeah, and you got to meet the people that are doing the exact types of things that you're doing, but all around the world, and they're coming to this race, and we're all there, and it's pretty much a celebration of our fitness, right? It's, uh, and and all the obstacles that you could imagine um, in everybody's lives was, everybody f- dealt with it in their different ways, and we all kind of came together at the exact same time. So very neat to hit a world championship. Um, you get humbled pretty quick because there's a lot of superstars out there that yeah. you, you're a big fish when you're in the little pond. Yeah. When you get there, yeah. you are nothing. Generally, <laughs> those guys are super fast yeah. and it's a very different perspective, but, uh, just makes you kind of hungry more to get,
0: uh, to get a little bit farther. No, oh, that's cool. It's almost like that in, in any sport. Like, yeah, I've, done triathlon and whether it's mountain biking or crossfit or whatever it's like like you said all these big events are like just a celebration of everyone's fitness and coming together and whatever it is you know outside obstacles and stuff like that you know you get past those to be able to go there and and compete and i know you've you've done Ironman man as well and it, it's just amazing being there like you know leading up to the race and then you see all these people walking around with the the wristbands on and stuff like that and it's like yep they're here to do the same thing like and it's all different ages and shapes and sizes (laughs) which is super cool yeah absolutely so all right so after after switzerland you were you were still in calgary what happened you ended up moving back to winnipeg or like what yeah so
1: i finished uh Finished racing in Switzerland. I was actually uh, still living in Calgary for a few more years. Okay, uh, raced at that point um, in a couple more uh, world level competitions: um, Olympic duathlon and uh, and Olympic tri, uh, the sprint distance that uh, people are aware of now wasn't really a thing. It didn't really exist when we first started. So, so
0: Olympic was the shortest distance? Yeah, that was the, that was the beginning. So, so that's a 1,500-meter swim, 40k 40 40 bike, bike, and a 10k <laughs> yep, run. That's correct. <laughs> uh, and
1: that was coming out of uh, Kids of Steel. <laughs> Which so was, what was Kids of Steel back then? I think at the time we were running 400 meters swim, maybe, uh, 10k bike ride, and two to three kilometer run was the longest kids of steel at the time okay and then the next the next level was olympic there was no sprint distance so half of the (laughs) olympic uh so that wasn't a step that was
0: yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) they had probably couched to olympic (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) programs then oh man it was a It's a big jump when you're coming from a race that would take you like 40 minutes to a race that'll take you two hours and 40 minutes on your first attempt anyway, right? So um, it's a bit of a shock for sure. (laughs) Uh, Made it, obviously, but uh, uh, now there's a lot more manageable steps in the world of triathlon for people to to crack into it.
0: Yeah. Um like there's relays and stuff like that. Yep. We'll so you can talk about an event later on that. Absolutely. That you're planning as well. That's right. Um anyway, so I finished off
1: uh a few years more in Calgary and still working uh continued to race. Um I'm I was in France and I was in Australia. And then when I got to the end of that uh, I actually had a friend, uh, one of my roommates, was asked to, uh, to swim coach a, uh, a Calgary triathlon team. And uh, he came home one day, and he was like, hey, I'm not sure if anyone's interested, because a couple of us in the house did triathlon. But uh, he came up to me and asked if uh, I would consider coaching biking and running for this group, because he was already coaching the swim. Uh, more because I was doing it and they were looking for somebody to lead them in a run and and a bike workout as well. At that point, I had never coached anybody before, so I figured I'd give it a shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, it turned out it was lots of fun, but I realized very quickly that the only things that I knew to do for and to teach these people were just things that I was taught by my coaches but there was no rhyme or reason in my head. I couldn't tell you why we were training a certain way, uh, why we were doing an interval, why we were doing a long, slow workout, any of those kind of things. So I had, no, I had no background in any of the physiology and the strength type training and all this stuff. I just knew what worked for me. <laughs> um, on, a, on the other hand too, though I was also still in my 20s so a lot of things that'll work for me and 20 was a lot different than any of the people that I was working with, because a lot of them definitely were not 20, and they were coming from, once again, all walks of life and body types and everything, yeah. and you got to be able to make the appropriate adjustments. And unfortunately, I couldn't, because I just didn't know. No. Um, anyway, but um, I started becoming very curious, <laughs> which was my advantage, was, wow, um, this is going to be, this is possibly a, uh, a career path, like, you know, the my coach, that's what he did through university, and he did a master's degree in it, and uh, he had a big crew, and that was what he was doing full-time, and that looked like pretty interesting way to go.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but at that point, I realized that uh, now I have to go back and hit my university mm-hmm. and finish my university degree. Uh, so <clears throat> I phoned up my parents and asked what color they painted my bedroom since I had left three <laughs> years earlier. Yeah. They said it was pink or something. So I was like, ran on. That's my new favorite color. Uh, come pick me up and <laughs> I'm ready to come home. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so sure enough, um, within, uh, two or three weeks, the Calvary came, picked me up, brought me back to Winnipeg and, uh, I signed up at the uh, University of Manitoba and started my exercise sports science degree. Um, The goal for me, I started at 24 in university, so my goal really was to try to finish that thing before I turned 30. School's not my uh, main cup of tea, so it was going to take a little bit longer. Plus, I've been out of school now for a few years, so it's going to take a while for me to get good at studying again and I don't know if I was actually really good at it in the first place, so <laughs> more learning about how to do it. Yeah. And uh, anyway, um, I made it. I, got, uh, I finished just before I turned 30 and uh, had my degree. Um, but along the way, I started getting opportunities to coach some of the local clubs in, uh, in Winnipeg, um, so the Triple Threat Triathlon team. I uh, started coaching with them a couple days a week. <clears throat> um, so that was great because that was, uh, that was uh, generally a bit of an older triathlon group. And uh, so you had to modify a lot of different things that you would do, uh, especially coming, you know, still thinking like you're a uh, rocket at 20 years old. You have to be able to uh, create workouts so that these guys can actually adapt to them properly. And you got to be real careful Not about destroy it. them. Yeah,
0: no, don't break them. Yeah, uh,
1: but um, one of the opportunities in there too was uh, at that time, um, a lot of the athletes on the triple threat team had uh, younger children that were uh, also starting to do kids of steel triathlon. <laughs> so because there was enough of them, the uh, the team asked if I would coach the kids as well. So I was doing kind of both. And it turned out that that was uh, that was kind of right up my alley too, and um, that was kind of like the birth of what my career was going to turn into down the road. <clears throat> so that was that was pretty neat. And this was like 15 years ago. Yeah. So this would have been two. Well, this would have been between uh, 2000 and 2005. I graduated, so somewhere in the 2002 to three is where I started. Uh, Anyway, and then at uh, that time as well, um, I started working a bunch of little jobs in between, just like any university student would. So I was working at a bike shop and working for Red River College as their fitness coordinator. And then um, got to close to about a year left into my degree, I uh, had a whole pile of credits that I was allowed to take that were extra. Mm -hmm. So what we... What we got uh, proposed to us that is they had a work term. If we wanted to take on a work term um, with a business or company or whatever, uh, we could do that for uh, half the semester and it would wipe out all of our extra credits, which was good because I didn't know what I wanted to burn my extra credits with. Anyway, I looked at the list that they gave us for potential places and realized there was really only two on there that would have been nationally or even internationally recognized. Uh, and that was with the RCMP or the Winnipeg police. So I put my resume into both to help with their fitness coordinator. And, uh, anyway, I, uh, never really got past the first interview. I got picked up right away. And, uh, uh, I started working with the uh, Winnipeg Police as their fitness coordinator, um, or at least helping their fitness coordinator. So I was a fitness consultant at that time, doing all the uh, fitness testing for the uh, for the police officers that would come through um, for their for their fitness per, uh, appraisals that they have to do every uh, every. Every year for the first while, and then every couple of years after that. For their and yep. for their time off and stuff. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, anyway, so
0: it was a, it was a pretty neat stepping stone. And that was so that was more so for like current members rather than uh, that's newer, current members. Yeah. So we
1: weren't uh, we weren't testing um, the, testing the
0: re- recruits or okay. the potential recruits. Yeah. We were testing
1: the actual members that were already there.
0: Okay. Cool. Anyway.
1: Um, but at the end of my degree, I found that I was working too many little part-time jobs mm. <coughs> all the way through, and kind of running running a 15-hour day, but uh, getting paid five bucks an hour. So it's like, how do I make this a job, yep. and where do I really want to be with it? So uh, at the time, um, I had recently gotten married already at that point, too, and uh, uh So I sat down with my wife and
0: she she was our last podcast too, by the way. So episode 124. So go back and listen to that
1: one if you haven't yet. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we sat down and she helped me write the uh, job description to become the development coach for triathlon Manitoba that we were going to propose to the board of triathlon Manitoba and, uh, So we had put the the whole thing together and with help from a bunch of uh, uh, parents that had kids that I was already coaching a couple times a week in different programs, um, we put a, a proposal together and presented it to the board and all of a sudden I was working full time for Triathlon Manitoba as the development coach. Uh, for the province. So it was kind of like a job that never really existed before. No other province had that position. Um, So it was kind of neat. Very, very entry level. Really, you're making a lot of it up as you go. And uh, I ended up running that for another five and a half years uh, or so after. Uh, So that was kind of where my coaching career really took off where it was like, okay, this is definitely where I want to be, having a really good time with it. And uh, and now it's morphed into into my own independent uh, coaching business with uh, Winburn Multisport Academy. Um, so we now just have a, a larger base. So I'm coaching older athletes and younger athletes uh, all at the
0: same time. Cool. That's... With it I guess being more of a, a newer sport sort of when you got into it when you were fifteen. Like how how old was the sport then? Uh, I believe the sport is around
1: nineteen seventy five, yeah. four maybe? Still newer. Still pretty, a newer pretty new. Sport.
0: Yeah. But like, yeah, you've got to be a trailblazer with it and like you said, there's not a whole lot of positions that have been there and it's like sometimes you you got to create create your own. Yeah. Yeah, So there's a bit of a lot of, a lot of everything has been
1: making, making your job and figuring out what is working and
0: what you can't do. Uh, yeah. So, okay. When did you start, uh, Windburn race team then? Uh, so I started
1: Windburn, um, in June of 2014 and, uh, so we're, we're approaching our 10-year anniversary as a fully independent triathlon program in Manitoba. So just about there. It was, uh, it's been a good go yeah. so far. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and along the way, I ended up picking up the, uh, the Riding Mountain Triathlon um, as well, which is uh, at the time the largest race that uh, Manitoba has um, in order to, uh, to be able to split up kind of how the, uh, the team runs with athletes and being able to kind of, uh, support it as a full-time position essentially. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, and, and we'll talk a bit more about both of those. So, you started Windburn in twenty fourteen. You guys are cruising along, picking up momentum year after year, right? Oh yes, it was. It was. <laughs> it's building very. It was building
1: very well for quite a while. Yeah, we okay. got up to uh, started fairly modest. I think we initially started right around that ten or twelve athletes, and by twenty nineteen, we were sitting around forty five athletes uh, at pretty much any given moment. Uh, so the pretty pretty solid numbers <coughs> for for training and those guys are most of them are training year-round with yeah. very few athletes coming and going
0: throughout the years yeah. so how because you were running a full 12-month program for yep. them so they, they didn't really have to take time off and nope and you know That's go and right. do other things or whatever but so how are they how are they finding you was it like Just word of mouth? Were they already established triathletes? Were they just like getting into it and heard about you? Or one of my advantages is that I've been in triathlon for so long that I
1: kind of know the majority of people that are out there, Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't take very long for um, the name to kind of get bounced off somebody who knows somebody who knows me. Yeah, and then, and then usually that person will contact me or maybe they found me it it does help i do have a a full website as well uh winburnraceteam.com and uh so you can get a lot of information on what are, what the team's up to and what we're up to and and uh, there's obviously pictures to show what we what we do um <clears throat> but a lot of it is word of mouth especially especially in manitoba when in winnipeg for sure <laughs> yep. it's uh it's who you know yep. <laughs> and uh you know this person recommends you and that's great cuz uh, that's going to get you farther than any anything currently on the web or or anything yeah so so that's how we that's how we get uh athletes and then usually if if an athlete is having a really good time and it's working well for them of course they're going to talk to somebody that they know or a friend yeah. and next thing you know that person's there and next thing you know they're talking to their friends and that's kind of yeah that's kind of how we get rolling. So we got fairly large by 2019 and, uh, and then we walked into a wall. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We were talking about, well, yeah, over the past several years, we've been (laughs) having conversations (laughs) about it and stuff. And then just before, you know, when we sat down today, we were talking a little bit about it, um, and just kind of what kind of struggles there were. So whether, whether you were, a you know, a brick and mortar business owner that, you know, was kind of shut down through COVID and you weren't able to provide service because of whatever you were doing. Um, or, you know, in, in Dave's case here, like just having rental, renting out time and space and facilities and not being able to kind of fulfill that with your team and having to pivot and do online stuff. So,
1: yeah, so we, uh, we got hit pretty hard, uh, a lot like a lot of other places, so it's not really the a shock, but yeah. <clears throat> we got hit pretty hard, too, um, just like everybody. But on a positive note for this stuff, there was a lot of neat things that kind of came out of it, so I think those will be better to talk about anyway. Yeah. Um, one of the neatest things was at the time, uh, a cycling programs to make indoor cycling through winter. We have a very long winter. We're starting to pick up a little bit of momentum, but weren't really taking over anything at the time. But when the uh, when the pandemic came and the restrictions were starting to shut everything down, um, especially the in-person training uh, or the facilities or anything that you could normally do that would normally happen. Um, we had to start exploring a whole pile of different options, and we had to do it really quickly because the hardest thing out of any fitness group is actually the recruiting of your athletes. So you need to be doing it Mm -hmm. 24-7. So anybody that's successful is 24-7 on, as soon as that person even looks like they might be interested, you are there making sure that they have an opportunity to come out, you break down every barrier that they think they may have for reasons why they can't come out. Mm-hmm. And usually once you get them into your into your program, they realize that uh, everybody has all the exact same barriers and everyone has to make choices about which ones are going to stop them and which ones are, are something that they can work through. Yeah. And usually most people find that they can add in some sort of training without really changing a lot of stuff that they have going on so anyway um we discovered uh zwift which is a online cycling uh program and uh we were able to uh get the team set up on zwift fairly quickly uh <clears throat> some of it we needed a few different things for equipment but we figured out that there was the minimum amount of equipment didn't really cost us very much obviously you can purchase really fancy stuff yeah and uh but we were able to figure out how to keep the team engaged um, even though we were now training basically everybody was training at their own house in their basement and uh, uh but we did have some really neat things there was uh Uh, online video chats that we could uh, do so you could still see each other and you could still chat and joke around while you were doing the workouts and uh, and then the cycling program was actually keeping you really engaged Um, the nice thing with the cycling program was there's an opportunity to actually as a coach write the training specifically for the program and Cause you don't want to find out that all of a sudden the programs are smarter than, than you are. <laughs> it's it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, so I figured out how to write the actual training for the team. Yeah. And uh, and then still be able to utilize the, the training. And uh, anyway, so it opened up a big, it opened up a big uh, opportunity that we never really would have explored if we didn't get forced to stay home. Uh, now, after the pandemic has uh kind of passed and most things have opened back to hundred percent and and everything's sort of normalish um, we actually have decided as a team to keep the cycling portion uh virtual uh, so far and we may have uh, down the road, if people would rather get together yeah. and drag their equipment out in minus thirty, yep. maybe. But I really don't think think that's going to be something that we're going to be moving back to. Yeah. There's a lot more, a lot more things we could be doing besides the oh, for extra sure. forty five minutes of dragging the equipment back and forth and the wear and tear that that takes on everything, including your hands.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, well, I remember that temperature. That.
0: Yeah. I remember doing that at Pan Am just like with tribalistic training on on like Sunday mornings just. <laughs> Loading up the bikes and the trainers and lugging those in and setting them up and yeah and then taking it all down and bringing yep. it up. it was a yeah good three and a half hours at least to yeah it to makes do a makes that. a it makes a big day yeah um
1: so the second thing that we discovered was this was so time efficient that you could walk downstairs 15 minutes before the workout mm-hmm. your bike was already set up on the special trainer or the way you had it. Uh, all you had to do was load the computer and get yourself set up with your fan and your water bottle. But most of that stuff was already there. Yep. You do your workout. The workout starts exactly at six. It's finished exactly when I say it's done. Yep. And within 15 minutes, you're already up, upstairs, showered, having a snack, yep. and you carry on with the rest of your day. There's no driving back and forth to whatever facility you were hosting. And uh the pack up and they clean up and uh the gas and the everything. Everything, yeah. right? Yeah. So that was uh no. that was a that was actually a big
0: positive. Yeah. Um <clears throat> uh so is this through is it like is it Zoom? Do you see everyone? Do they have cameras? Yeah, or we is actually
1: it- uh discovered that Messenger, so uh I think it's Facebook Messenger or Meta Messenger, okay. or whatever, um has the ability to have up to fifty people on your computer screen excuse me, online at once. Okay. And so we have an open communication dialogue. You know, you're ribbing your training partners like you would always do in person because there's a lot of in-person things that you would start missing. It's kind of like the camaraderie that you're, you're missing. Yeah. Um, so this gave us pretty close to the same feel. Yeah. And yet you are home and your stuff is already set up and it's, and it's in your area. Yeah. So, um, so we were taking advantage of the, of the technology and good thing we were in the, the era that we were in oh, when sure. this thing hit um, because it would have been a way worse if it was even 15 years earlier yeah. um, because we weren't ready. We weren't going to be ready for it. We'd be sitting on our telephones, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. All right. It'd be a lot different than,
0: than how we dealt with it this time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been a lot different (laughs) if it was 15 years ago and we didn't have the technology we did now. Oh yeah. It would have been, it would have been another whole level more devastating for everybody, I think. Yeah. So we went through like multiple lockdowns, three lockdowns, um, did you feel like between first and second, second and third, things were, were building back up? People were like excited to get back into it when we were allowed to start doing stuff again?
1: Uh, no. Actually, uh, if you tell somebody to not do something for two straight years or you've dragged them out now where it's like you're setting yourself back up to start training, you get a couple weeks in, and then all of a sudden you find out that we're not allowed to do that anymore mm-hmm. and we're back at home. Um, what I was finding is uh, not only was it becoming very uh, mentally and, and emotionally exhausting trying to keep everybody uh, positive mm-hmm. while this, uh, this thing was full-on roller coaster, um, even the people driving the decisions had no idea what they were trying to do with it. So that became super frustrating too because uh, it turned out it really didn't mean a tonne regardless but um the uh the athletes by the time they got to the end of uh of the roller coaster even the ones that even the most keen athletes that got to the end everybody was experiencing a level of burnout from the three ish two and a half three years of um never-ending changes yeah and uh, and the consistency was constantly being challenged, and you had to you had to really focus individually. And a lot of us train in groups of people of peers mm-hmm. because that's how it's a bit of your social life. It becomes uh, part of part yeah. of your day. You enjoy it. Um, so there was a lot of areas that people found tough when they were going through going through the the, the shutdowns and the lockdowns. And as a result, people have been very shy about jumping back in because they had jumped in Mm -hmm. multiple times throughout the uh, three years where things were going good and then they got bad. And then they were going good, everybody's okay, and then they got really bad. And then we kept going. So, by the time we got to okay, everything is actually good, and restrictions are going to be sort of not happening anymore and yep. whatever, um, very few people were willing to jump back on jump board. back in yep. the way it was there was the way it was doesn't exist anymore, so it's going to be a new way it was yep. we're, we're inventing it right now it's uh it's gonna take a few years for it to really solidify and uh, become whatever the new version is. Um, so with that, though, uh, for, for my particular group, the, uh, the, biggest, the biggest thing that I noticed was uh, some of the races that we were preparing for for the 2020 season uh, were very large. We had uh, a large contingent of athletes that were getting ready for world championships, Um, So those were originally going to be hosted in Edmonton. uh, So it was a Canadian World Championship race. So that's awesome. Our Canadian host, anyway. Um, And then we had another big chunk of athletes that were getting ready for Calgary's 70.3. And we had another chunk of athletes getting ready for um, Penticton's Ironman Canada that was coming back at that point. So there was lots of excitement walking into the basically the 2019 2020 season was going to be uh was going to be a monster and then all of a sudden on March 12th it became it became nothing and nobody knew what was going on and everything got shooken up mm-hmm. so um, what was happening though was because these major races were constantly being postponed but only postponed 5 months 6 months down the road it kind of created this weird uh, holding pattern for the athletes. Nobody could really nobody could really leave because you're financially tied into a race that you've been training for for a fair amount of time already.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you're invested in it physically, you're invested in it in equipment, you invested in it financially. Time-wise, yeah. Like you've been booking off everything, so you're going. <clears throat> the problem is every six months, the, the race would get pushed down the road, so but carrot, you can't really that leave. That yeah. keeps moving right uh yeah, anyway, in, in this case, what was going down was uh by the time by the time we pushed through three years where nobody could really leave because they were always only six months away and uh, and then you get dragged out for three years like that uh, by the time twenty twenty two came around, we had a major Uh, triathlon season and it all hit within about six weeks Uh, so it was very exciting six weeks it was crazy Mm -hmm. there was a at that point 15 out of my 45 uh, guys and girls were qualified for the world sprint championships which now was moved to Montreal so we we went there and uh, a big a big chunk of them were still on path for the 70.3 so we went there and we had Ironman Canada, so we had athletes that were all racing in there. And by the time we got finished that six weeks, because it was about the middle uh, end of June to the end of August, or maybe eight weeks or so, all of a sudden, the, the worst thing hit. And it was the actual, finally, everybody was feeling the burnout and it was coming in very, very different ways. we you are physically pretty fit, but you're mentally and emotionally done. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to—you don't want to look at your—you don't want to look at your basement anymore because you've lived in it for three years by yourself. Yep. And uh, you know you got your your beach ball with the face on it because that's pretty much the only person you could train with, Wilson. <laughs> so, yeah, Wilson. And. Uh, Anyway, so everyone needed a really big break. Now, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in the world of what I do, triathlon coaching, you need to have a fairly large contingent of athletes training for something. But we hit all of our major races in six weeks, and now there isn't, there isn't any real major race coming up. Usually, you'd have a small amount of athletes no. that were competing at fairly large events each, each year, So there's always a little bit of momentum, but because everything was starting to get pushed and pushed and pushed, then all of a sudden everything was happening all at the exact same moment. And then when it goes, all of a sudden you get this emotional letdown. So I don't know if you've ever had a major competition that you were training for um, or major finishing your degree or um, whatever. You get to the end, yes, it was awesome. Well, within a week you're like uh, you're actually starting to feel a little bit of a, a depression of some sort you know you you didn't really set your next goals um you're not really sure what path you want to do or how you want to go about it and uh, we experienced that starting in september of uh last year 2022 and we've rolled through the winter uh limped through the winter really to get to here Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden we've had three years worth of athletes who have now hit the race that they were training for and uh, if anyone is training for something specific and you've you've moved all of the other goals and things that you've had in your life to to clear a path so that you can actually get to your goal when you get to your goal and you're done now it's time to focus on all the stuff that you kind of push to the side to to get to that time. Yeah. So that's where we were at. And uh, so it was definitely a quieter winter. Um, but on the other hand, all of the facilities and all of the uh, potential was back at full full blossom. So all of a sudden, we were running into, we had all of our pool space back we had track space back. We could pretty much do everything we, we were doing before, and it took a long time to get a lot of that space, uh, mm-hmm. especially at the time that we have for training. Well, and dealing um, with
0: the city on that, too, versus oh, like it was private, great. Yeah. private facilities <laughs> is a little different.
1: It's a bit of a roller coaster, too. Yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, with all those things going on all at the same time, it's great, but... We then experienced uh, between 20 and 30% increase in all of the costs for all of the different things. But now you're running on about 30% less athletes walking into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're caught, you're trying to figure out if you need to let some of the space go, but it took a lot of years to get mm-hmm. to the level and to the amount of time that you have and uh, the actual timing of the training. So you're really having a tough time as a coach to let some of this stuff go because um, hopefully the word on the street was that uh, as soon as the restrictions go, everybody in the world is coming back and you better have enough stuff for everybody. Yeah. And the reality was, is everybody was beat down so much that nobody was running back because yep. nobody trusted anything and everyone yep. was totally burnt out and done. Yep.
0: Um,
1: so that's that's kind of where we are right now uh i feel that we hopefully have hit finally coming to the end of march right now Mm -hmm. i hope finally we've hit the actual bottom of this and we're going to be starting to see the increase where every year we're because i think this is going to take a three to five year rebound this is not something that's going to happen overnight no We didn't let go of all of the things very easily at the beginning of the pandemic, but by the end of it, it was uh, the same on the rebound. We're not going to get them. We're not going to get back to the way we were. We're not going to be as busy as we were. A lot of people had an opportunity to rethink um, about all the things that they were doing and how, how much they were running off their feet and how many things they had going on at the same time. And there was a lot of lot of good things because of that as well you you know got to potentially uh, uh, spend more time with your family good or bad you also (laughs) had some more time to go camping and and do some things that you might not have made the time with because you had all these different commitments or your uh, your your kids or your your spouses were um, training in different things or had activities going on so you were Passing up on some of the extra time, yeah. So there's a lot of new barriers uh, to this. Um, so that's where I think there's a lot of stuff that isn't going to come back the way we had it before. But that's actually a that's actually a good thing. We just have to rethink about it. Um, so there might be a little bit, little bit more, uh, little bit more to do before we come back to everything's back to the way it was yeah. there's still a few things that we have to have to kind of rethink so yeah. which is good um <clears throat> but at the same time i think everybody did hit the wall and this was definitely the hardest the hardest hopefully the hardest year to get through was the year after everything opened up where everything should have gone back to normal and it really didn't go no. back to normal by any stretch
0: and uh um and here we are today yeah. Well, I think after the first lockdown there were a lot of people who were just excited to get back into it. It was nice out. Um, I don't remember when the first one ended. I think it was like June or something like that. Yep. So people were people were pumped and excited to like get back to working out and and everything. And then I think after the second one and the third one it was just it was draining for so many reasons. And I think part of the reason why and, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I think when people have gotten out of something and maybe they, you know, they stopped triathlon training, they stopped training in the gym or whatever. Absolutely. And then they sort of, you know, let themselves go and they're just sedentary and they're not doing anything. And then it's like, okay, finally things are opened up again. It's not going to be like a roller coaster anymore. And people just feel like they've let themselves go and it's going to be so much harder to get back to where they were. And they kind of keep comparing themselves to like, you know what? You know, three years ago, I was in amazing shape. I was, you know, and there's some people that maintain that. Yeah. But I think there's there's a lot of people, especially coming in now, that are like, oh, like, you know, I haven't done anything for a year, year and a half since COVID started. And I'm like, eh, it's been like three years. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, yeah. it's been three years? People
1: don't realize Yeah. Um, and that the- time was kind of like a time warp. It was Oh, a, for sure. It,
0: it kind of all blended together. So, and, and even like <coughs> people that that have put on like races and events and stuff like that, and we'll we'll talk about riding mountain for you as well. Like you know, there were some pretty big events that now some race organizers are just like, I don't even know if we're going to continue running this because it, it does take a lot of money, time, effort, volunteers to well, put just to on get an them event to start it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so like we talked about before, so you've been organizing the the triathlon uh sorry the riding mountain triathlon now for how many years uh so i acquired it in 2018 uh just before yeah, yeah. so it
1: was good um yeah. and uh usually the races have about a 10 to 15 year turnover where then there will be a new race director as the the other one decides that they're going to move on with some stuff mm-hmm. Uh, races take a lot of time and effort to get organized and make sure that they're obviously safe and and uh, fun. If it's not fun, nobody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so in 2018, we had, for example, we had 424 adults competing on the Saturday and 169 kids competing on the Sunday for the Kids of Steel, and... Like I said, in 2019, the momentum was still moving. Everybody was going in the right direction um, as a business owner, for sure. We had 502 adults compete in 2019, and which was, at that point, the third largest race in Manitoba history. And the Kids of Steel was 217 kids, which was the largest Kids of Steel that has ever been hosted before as well. that's riding mountain this is riding mountain three hour drive from here that's correct yeah uh in riding mountain we usually see about uh 65 to 75 percent from manitoba uh the rest are coming in from saskatchewan alberta ontario we do get a lot of people coming in from the states obviously a little bit less than than the provinces but uh but it is a fairly—it's—it's it's definitely the largest race across the prairies uh, for sprint and Olympic, and we have a super sprint now. We got some aqua bike stuff going on, which is basically swimming, biking. Then you shut her down. You don't have to do the run.
0: You don't ride your bike in the water, though.
1: Ah, <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> um, anyway, and then we, uh, then we hit, then we hit COVID, and all of a sudden, the races were one of the first things on the chopping block because, of course, it's a big gathering of people. So in a race that you have 700 people, you're looking at another times that by three for the amount of people, spectators. So that means you brought out your your grandparents, your mom, dad, whatever. Somebody drove you there. You're not going to Riding Mountain just to hang out by yourself, generally. So... Yep. um all of that wasn't possible, of course, because of the size, even though we were outdoors, but at that time the restrictions were like no groups, even outdoors at that kind of level mm-hmm. um, so they were they were cut right away. <clears throat> so um, what we've experienced then when we got the green light to start train like to start putting on the events again so in 2022 so last last year, because the momentum of everybody was now, coming off the couch, essentially, because you were just like, all right, forget it. I've been trying to get back in. I've been trying to hold on to all my fitness. I've been trying to do all these things. And I'm constantly getting disappointed because it's constantly being told not to. Or I was going to do it, and I did it yesterday, and now today I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So you get frustrated, and you just start doing other stuff. And uh, so a lot of athletes were doing other stuff. And when all of a sudden the green light comes... You're standing there, and you realize that you can't just, or you shouldn't, just jump back into where you think you were,
0: yeah.
1: uh, or you discover very quickly that that's a bad move, yeah. and you can't move for a few weeks <laughs> after. Yeah. So, uh, so the races all across Canada were actually cut down between fifty and sixty percent. So we expect we uh, didn't realize that was going to happen. It was actually. The reverse was actually what was um, being told was that, you know, be prepared. Your races now, the races that are coming through, are going to be bigger than ever before because there's been so many people that are chewing at the bit, waiting to get back into it. And so you're trying to prepare for what you remember the race was like in 2019. So I'm preparing for yep. 750 people to show up to a race. Uh, so that means I need to have swim caps and and the right amount of uh, medical staff and everything you can imagine that's going to take, uh, that you need for race, food, um, everything like that. And, uh, and all of a sudden we had total over the weekend uh, 394. So we just about so hit the 400. Kids. That's adults and kids. So I had something like 268 adults and 116 kids. So I got cut in half, essentially, or very close to, just over. and uh, But on the negative side, besides just not having the people, the actual race expenses had all gone up. At that time, gas was going astronomical. It was, it was easily double. Mm-hmm. didn't matter what was going on. But right down to the guy that delivers the porta-potties for the athletes, doubled in price, and the medical staff was another 30% up from the year before, and these are things that you cannot not have at your event. Okay, I'm just going to cut it out. Okay, everyone, nobody pee. (laughs) Who knows CPR? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's right. Hold on. We'll we'll see if we can get somebody for you. Hold on. (laughs) All right, So, so all of a sudden, that became very stressful, too, because at the end of the day, the race is basically breaking itself even- which means it's, if you're lucky, yeah, and some people were not breaking even, and some of the races were starting to just be like we, we don't think that we can actually host this thing because it's going to be it's going to be a loss, no. and a lot of the races were starting to decide that they were out, or the town, um, in a few of the triathlons in the province. Um, were deci- decided that they just weren't going to support it anymore. They had two years where they didn't have it and decided that maybe that wasn't the fit that they wanted to have in their area anymore. Yeah. And we lost some races that were around the province, uh, potentially because of that as well. Yeah. Once you lose all the momentum, yeah. it's, uh, it's a big game changer.
0: Yeah, it's tough to get the wheel moving again. Um, so... You're still running the event this year, yeah. So we uh, we did survive. We got through 2022
1: and uh, and made it all work. Um, hopefully, we have the 2023 race uh, official launching date for the registration anyway by uh, early April, and uh, we already have a lot of swag that has shown up for the 2023 competition um, most of the stuff is already booked so the uh, so the race is, is uh, full throttle and uh, um, right now we're just working on uh, securing all the sponsorship for the competition and uh, and then we're going we're going to go for it um, again we'll see hopefully we're looking at around 20 to 30 percent increase in the number of athletes so there is a bit of a buzz mm-hmm. where the athletes are starting to come out, uh, but it is actually not all of the old athletes. It's it's actually new new blood. So in a in a sense, it's good. But you did lose a whole pile of people that used to do this consistently. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate because uh, a lot of them were really good. Yeah. And but now we're now we're kind of breaking into uh, another round of new new blood. So. Yeah. So that's also exciting. It's good, but it'd be better to have both going on, yeah. Uh, because it did cut the numbers in the province down by a fair amount as well. So, well, I think with
0: maybe coming out of the winter now and and things being open for quite a while, hopefully, you know, some of the old blood gets out there again and on their bikes yep. and realize, running hey, you know what, I missed and that, and yeah.
1: uh, I should probably get myself back into that, and yeah. and maybe they just needed that year to actually. Get over the initial shock of starting to move and train <laughs> consistently yeah. again, yeah. Um, and then and then maybe this year they're ready to uh, to to race back. No. Yeah. Uh, so um, anyway, so we're looking up and up and at them and forward. Yeah. So this thing should be uh, should be going fairly well. Uh, we also enter as the uh, Winburn athletes. Um, we enter our spring summer session for both the uh, development, my Devo program uh, for athletes uh, twelve to fifteen years old, and my Winburn race team program that starts basically sixteen and goes up to seventy or eighty, depending on how long how long you want to keep doing this. Yeah, uh, I haven't had anybody past seventy before, but uh, uh, I'm sure it'll
0: happen at some point. Oh, for sure. Oh. Yeah. It'd be very cool. Yeah. And yeah. with, with your race, like if I were to do two races a year, one of them would be riding mountain just cause it's so amazing out there, the hills and, and everything. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to race. And even just the town and, and being out there, if you've never been there before. It's it's pretty awesome. Lots yeah, it's of campsites very similar too. to uh,
1: it's very similar experience. Obviously on a bit of a smaller scale, but very yep. similar experience to uh, to actually showing up in
0: Banff. Yeah. Uh,
1: so very very pretty. There's a big beach. Yep. Uh, the water's clear. Yep. Clear lake. Yep. <laughs> and uh, at least it's been named off after something that actually meant something. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and it's a very summer. Summer town, of course, because they generally shut down um, in the winter. late fall for the winter and stuff. So, um, lots of tourists and uh, lots of stuff going on in golf courses and things. So it's it's pretty neat destination to to get to. Uh, shops and everything are there as well. Um, yeah, that would be that would be definitely one of the one of the one of the races. nicest
0: races. Yeah, yeah, that one in Kenora I like, but. <laughs> Kenora has switched, so they uh,
1: they used to put on a they used to host a triathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have done that one before as well. And uh, a few years ago, they had switched to uh, a new format that came out, and it is uh, it's a swim run mm-hmm. format. Um, no bike, no airport road. No, nope, that's right. But uh, uh, what they do is they uh, you're you're doing multiple sets of swimming and running, oh, and really? you have to do it with a partner. Oh, are you you can like do it. partner. a relay? A partner. Yeah, it's sort of like a relay. Um, but you're actually, well, relay, but you're, you're doing it together at the same time. Hmm. And uh, um, it's actually becoming a fairly large uh, multi-sport event across the world now as well, where it's, uh, it's basically swim, run, swim, run, swim, run, swim, run. And they just have different distances for all the different uh, intervals, essentially. And uh, so I think in Kenora, it's like a whole pile of um, swimming in between different little islands, and Mm -hmm. then you get out and you run. So it'd be a four or 500-meter swim for one of the sections, and then it'd be a couple-kilometer run, and then you're back in the water, and you're swimming another... Six, seven hundred meters, or whatever, and then you're back on land, and you run a kilometer
0: or two kilometers. I I hope the run distances go down, not up. Yeah, (laughs) or sorry, the swim distances. The funny thing, though, see, cramping up. uh, (laughs) It's got a whole neat
1: atmosphere too, because you actually have to uh, you have to carry all your equipment. So we're talking about like you're carrying, even though you're swimming, you 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 got your running shoes with you. You have if you uh, if you need to wear uh, if you have a swim buoy. You gotta keep all your stuff with you. Uh so it's a very different very different format yeah. uh than triathlon where we basically go from one sport, dump all of our gear, yeah. hop onto the next one, gone, come back, you dump it again, and then you're off to the races on the run. Uh the swim run, uh you whatever you start with, you finish with. Hmm. Um anyway, so uh so they so, Kenora has, has that now. That's, uh, that's kind of their multi sport event for, okay. the, for the year. So, a little bit different than a, than a triathlon. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of the newer sports and it's definitely picking up momentum as well. Yeah. Um, and then in, in Manitoba, we actually have a bit of a basically an icebreaker, which is our premier icebreaker event, which is the Duathlon Series, uh, which is being hosted at Birds Hill Park. And uh, usually they have three or four uh, races, which are on a on a weekday night. So Tuesday night, um, those ones are great. It's it's pretty much purely for training.
0: Run bike run.
1: Run bike run. Very hard, very painful. It's, uh, it's, it's a it's a hard combination. One of the hard most painful races I've ever done. Yeah.
0: The sprint.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Generally the short stuff is yeah. uh, sounds so like it'd be easier, but yeah. it's uh, if you're going full out. Shorter is pretty hard. There's there's not much pacing to that. You're just kind of going for it.
0: The short one's 2K run. I think it's 2K run, 10K bike, 10 or 12K bike, and then 2K run. It's like, yeah. Anyway,
1: um, so they're really great. (laughs) Because they're so short and so intense, uh, I take my athletes there, recommend to do um, pretty much either the whole series or at least two or three out of the four potential races that they have Mm -hmm. and uh, you can train parts of the triathlon um, under very high levels of stress in the transitions at those races Uh, and you can't really ever simulate the same level of oxygen debt and chaos in training I mean you Mm -hmm. can get pretty close right especially with the size of your group if it's very large and you got it well set up then of course you can get close but you'll never get the same intensity as if you're actually racing a whole pile of people that you don't know everybody everybody's bike and everybody's helmets and everything's going on all at the same time and if you've never tried to do a transition where you go from one sport to the other uh at the speed that you are going the oxygen debt that you're going you actually have no ability to really like Think about what you're doing. You have to be able to just do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to train it's it. it got to be practiced. Yeah. yeah, and this is a great opportunity to practice what it would be like under high levels of stress. Yeah. And uh, so it's very effective for the actual triathlons that start um, in early June. And then right. pretty much every second week all summer long, we have triathlon events all the way through so, uh, that's a good, that's a good May is definitely a really good month to blow all the rust in, off and yeah. get ready and even and beginners. Absolutely. Well, oh, uh, yeah. it's, it's a, it's great. Cause it's, uh, they're small, mm-hmm. uh, they're low key, uh, but they are very intense, which is good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's I mean, as you can obviously as you want to make it, right? That's right. Yeah. So you can control how fast or slow you're, you're going, that's yeah. fine. But the, uh, the level of uh, urgency to go fast because you're with a whole pile of other people that are going fast, mm-hmm. generally you get sucked right in no. and you are going faster than you thought you could probably go as well. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so it's a very good icebreaker for the year. And every year, um, it's kind of like one of the most well-received series Uh because we can pretty much train a lot of the mistakes out by the end of the series. Yeah.
0: yeah so every week you get a chance to practice yeah, it again yeah, and, yeah, and again. Screwed and
1: again. up last time. Okay. So let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Let's practice it a few times during the week. Yeah. And now under high level of stress again, can you perform without having to think about the movements? And there's a lot of little tiny things that are going on. Can you yeah. get your shoes on while they're clipped onto your bike after you mount your bike? Do you have to stop and mount your bike? Uh, hopefully not because you've practiced, but you should see how many people stop mm-hmm. and try to figure out how to get their foot over their bike all of a sudden, like or it's a foreign not used to clipping object, in right?
0: Yep. I just got these shoes and clips, coach. <laughs> yeah, uh, Race
1: day, yeah, awesome. Race day,
0: perfect. <laughs> Let's try some other new stuff right on. <laughs> yeah, so... So with the Riding Mountain Triathlon that you're putting on, it's mid-August, right? Uh, yeah, so this year we race on
1: August 19th and August 20th. So we're always the third week, depending on how the calendar works out. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually we're the uh, last competition of the year. So it works out well. It's kind of like the big... Save the best for last. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's a big it's a big competition. Everyone's there. Uh, the nice thing, too, is usually... Um, most races, the kids of steel is on the Saturday, and then the uh, the adults race is on Sunday, and then, of course, you're either back to work on Monday or yep. whatever. Uh,
0: or you're sick on Monday.
1: The nice thing about <laughs> this one, yeah, exactly. Or the, the nice thing about uh, riding mountain is the adults race is on Saturday, yep. the kids race is on Sunday, and then you head home. And generally, uh, most people come and stay for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. and maybe make a little bit of a vacation out of it because they've traveled a bit more for it. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff going on too there. So, uh, so it's pretty neat, big family event. Um, everybody, everybody gets a very similar experience for the uh, triathlon, regardless if you're doing as uh, tykes and trikes, which is my little guys. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Versus a guy that comes in and is racing for the win at the Olympic distance level of the race. Uh, um, The goal is to try to make sure that the experience for all the athletes, doesn't matter really what distance is, Mm -hmm. you get the same high-level quality experience. And... uh, um, we also have a very nice venue, so yeah. generally the only thing we can't control is the weather, weather on race day. <laughs> yeah. So far, we've been fairly lucky, but I'm yeah. sure at some point we're going to have a rain day. Yeah. But, uh, oh well, can't, can't win them all. As long as there's no lightning, you can still go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Go.
0: So yeah. what are the distances for that race? Um,
1: that so for the, uh, for the adults race on Saturday, obviously uh, the Olympic or standard distance, 1.5K uh, swim. Uh, 40k bike ride, and then you run 10k off the bike. Uh, Sprint, uh, exactly half, so 750, uh, 20k bike ride, 5k run. The uh, duathlon is uh, sprint distance only. So uh, for the duathlon, you'll be running uh, 2.5k, riding 20k, and then running 5k. And what it does is that one lines itself up with the sprint distance triathlon as well. Uh, so if you don't want to swim, there's an option there for you as well. So it's 2.5K run, 20K bike, 2 point, uh, 5K run. That's correct, yep. Okay. And then the uh, aqua bike for any of the athletes that uh, can't run can't run or injury or, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, there's still stuff for them too. And it's actually now a world-level event is swimming and running. Um, so that's another multi-sport variation that is starting to become fairly popular over the last few years. Cool. Um, So once again, Olympic for that 1500 meter, 40k bike ride and or 750 meter swim and 20k bike ride for the aqua bike athletes. And uh, we also have um, a super sprint. So athletes as young as 12 all the way to all the newbies that could possibly want to just try a triathlon for the three sports. Um, we have a race called Super Sprint. Um, it's also could be known in some of the races as a try a try to break into it. Uh, but because I'm offering it to my to athletes as as young as 12, um, Super Sprint is definitely it's a lot more competitive uh, in this one. So you're looking at a 300 meter swim, uh, but the Super Sprint swim is you better be capable of swimming, um, in very deep water. Uh, so at 12, I'll make sure that all the athletes between 12 and, and, and basically 16 are athletes that I already know and are training in some programs that I know c- can handle that kind of uh, mm-hmm. depth in the water, mm-hmm. uh, where the try, try for the kids that are uh, basically as young as six, going all the way up to 15. The try tries is uh, a little bit different. We have a different swim course set up for them. Uh, they can't touch, but it's not that deep. I have lifeguards that are standing in the water generally. Um, <clears throat> so the kids are very safe. But the day before where the super sprint's going on, uh, anybody that's 12 to 15, I'm, I'm definitely checking to make sure that these guys are ready to roll yeah. because it's 300 meters and it's straight out into open water. Um, so it's the exact same experience as the, as the adult racings. anyway. And then, uh, and then kids of steel, which would be the next day. And there's variation, um, based on age groups. Um, six, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, and then, uh, the 12, 13, and then 14, uh, 15, um, competitions. And of course there's various, uh, uh, a, uh, race distances based on the uh, long-term athlete development uh, strategy for for developing athletes appropriately to make sure that they can handle the distances. Mm-hmm. So just because you want to race a, an Olympic distance race, you have to be 18 years old at least to jump into that kind of competition. And then obviously, hopefully, you're trained because it's going to shock you pretty good if you're not trained. No. Yep. Uh, and you don't want any of this stuff to become... Uh, scary for you so hopefully most of the people that are going to jump into some of the bigger races have put some time into this before yeah and that's where the nice opportunities now kind of like like i was saying before we went from kids of steel distance races which was pretty small to all of a sudden the olympic was the next step well now there's super sprint and sprint level triathlons and then you can get into um the olympic triathlon uh or higher if, if it's at a different race kind of thing down the road. So cool. Yep.
0: Yeah. No, there's a lot of options there. So for people who are just even wanting to get into it, um, it's a great race, lots of, lots of different distances. And is there a, is there a relay available <coughs> as well? Yeah. I forgot to mention, um, cause if you don't want to, so I, I remember I did. Relays we have of, two person, three person
1: kay. relays in, um, both Olympic and sprint, uh, triathlon, Um, so if you are a cyclist, but your buddy can swim and one of your other buddies doesn't mind doing the run, you guys can enter as a three man. Yep. Um, or you can do combinations. I'm going to do the swim. You're going to do the bike ride and then
0: I'll run. Yeah. Um, or I've done, um, I've swam for people. So I've done the 1500 meter swim but I'm doing it as an individual and then I'll have my own, uh, a separate tag and that's I hand correct. it to them and they'll go do the bike and the run as well. Yep. So, so the, they entered you as can an individual do that as well. So if you team.
1: have, if you have a friend that's going to race the race anyway, yep. um, but you would like to do portions of the race and maybe you're not, uh, maybe you're not a swimmer. Generally that has to be the first person has to be the, the swimmer. Yeah. Um, but it is. uh well, it they is might possible. be waiting around. A yeah, I yeah, <laughs> have to wait. Your guy's not back done, and I don't. <laughs> I know you want to start your run, but uh, they're not here yet, so you got to wait. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, so it is possible. We can. We can uh, definitely figure out a combination that would work. Uh, obviously, it's always better to get uh, a really good experience for everybody. So yep. if we don't want to. We don't want if there's a combination that. Maybe we didn't touch on, but you're interested in, absolutely let me know and we'll see if we can accommodate it so that, uh, it would work for you as well. And, uh, and like I said, the registrations for the race will be coming up in early April, uh, which then will give you a bit of time to prepare yourself for that race as well. And then there's opportunities with some of the local tri-clubs that are around Manitoba. Um, or if you'd like to jump into, uh, the windburn Multisport academy um training there's a lot of options for you there as well cool. and uh and then we'll get we'll get the athletes ready so that they have a, a really good experience on race day so that this is not the one race that they do and then they're yep. done forever oh for sure yeah you want it to be want it to be just the beginning for them
0: Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And hopefully we can maybe get a, a handful of people from here. You know, maybe signing up yeah, and going. Yeah, throwdown. Yeah, Stark throwdown. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I guess it's been about three months now since you started training here. So joined. Yeah. Gail and Corbin and Hayden.
1: Yeah. I figured uh, I was. I was home, and just like uh, just like I was mentioning with the the burnout of uh, my triathletes as athletes. Uh, what I was finding was I was experiencing the same thing as a coach. Of course, you're trying not to show it cause you're the one that's the front man. And, uh, I'm sure Paul, you've had a couple ups and downs too on your, on, for yourself. Not at all. Clear yeah. A, yeah. You're yeah. sailing all the way. All right. Well, you're my hero then. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. So, um, when I got to the end in September, I was, uh, really, 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 really burnt out and, uh. And and kind of at my ends meet when it comes to trying to figure out another potential combination or deal with another major change. And of course, the change that we were dealing with or I was dealing with at that time was a big drop in the amount of participants in either the Winburn race team um, because we had just got to the end of this uh, three-year COVID thing. And we also had a very... Uh, a uh, very small uh, number of athletes relative to what we were expecting in 2019. Kind of back for the riding mountain triathlon. There was a lot of things that were finally <laughs> all catching up to me at the same time. So I was done. Yeah. Uh, trying to keep a pretty positive outlook on everything, but I was getting to the very end of that. And um, I was watching my my sons, and I was watching my wife, and they were they've been training. Gail, anyway has been training fairly consistently consistently with you since uh, since stark 1.0 I believe yeah and uh, and uh, and then my boys started getting into it for um, a little bit of uh, uh, cross training for uh, hockey and a little bit of cross training for some of the uh, some of the track and triathlon training and stuff
0: and, and they're they both really kids too back in still yeah they, 1. oh yeah 0, that's yeah. right i yeah. forgot
1: about that that's right so uh so they pretty much have done the full gamut yeah. and uh so everybody was doing stark uh except for me <laughs> <laughs> and then i started realizing that everyone was getting way stronger than i was and i was actually going backwards and i'm watching my kids who are now hitting their hitting their prime they're 13 and and coming up on 16 and they're starting to become very strong men and I'm going wow um <laughs> I I need to do something different here because uh, I'm really done with the with that time for me I'm really done being in my basement as well even though I'm trying to put on a good show for everybody to keep keep rolling yeah so I figured okay January I'm uh, I'm going to jump in and and see what it's all about and uh, to my surprise, what I realized, once you, of course you get a, over the initial uh, shock of new movements, um, but that doesn't matter what sport you choose, there's always gonna be a bit of a learning curve, and yep. I'm, I'm still in the learning curve, it's gonna take, it's gonna take a while to, to get through the, the big learning curve of all the different movements. And then of course, because I'm starting uh, older, uh, 46, there's a lot of movements that I can't do just because of my actual mobility. My body's very, very in tune to do the movements in triathlon, and I can do those all day because I've been training them ever since. Years. I was, right? <laughs> but if I have to do a movement that takes me out of my range of motion that I'm generally comfortable with, it's fairly difficult, and I have to work at it, just like any other new athlete that's coming into this, regardless of your background. So that was actually very refreshing to walk into a different type of sport that was going to challenge me as if I was a rookie completely, which this was. And uh, I mean, I knew a lot of the, I knew a lot of the background. I understood. I understand all of the training. uh techniques and, and, uh, and intervals and anything that can be thrown at me, I understand it. Uh, obviously, doing it was a different thing. And, uh, and then um, what I was finding was because all of a sudden I was moving into very new movements, Um, it was actually enhancing my triathlon training without actually having to triathlon train specifically. So uh, I was mentioning to Paul uh, a few few weeks ago that uh, I was finding, even though I haven't been running as much as I would have normally done, I was finding my top-end run speed was starting to get faster and faster. And it wasn't because I was training running, it was because I was now training muscles that uh, and range of motion that I wasn't normally training. So all of a sudden my body was adapting and it was adapting and it was actually the benefit of one sport was now trickling over into the other sport. So that was huge, right? It was like, holy smokes, okay. So even after all these years of training, there's still stuff that you can figure out. There's still potential, uh, more potential even. Um, than you expected and you can shift some of the uh, original old school thinking essentially and add in another, another dynamic uh, portion to it and find that even if you cut down in some of the volume but increase in some of the strength training that you're going to get and uh, functional movements and functional flexibility and, and uh, all the benefits that we're, we're seeing with the CrossFit, uh it's actually it's actually now enhancing the sport that I've been doing for thirty years already, and just never thought, oh, okay, well, if I just try, you know, I don't think I have time to add another thing into my into my Schedule, five sports yeah. that I got going on already, right yeah. swim bike run, weights, eat, yeah. right <laughs> um all of a sudden, I'm sleep, now doing sleep, yeah, yeah, sleep what's that that's a good one, <laughs> um but now all of a sudden I'm finding that uh even with uh, plugging in four or five times a week. Once again, though, just like everything else, you have to be consistent with it. So uh, if you are gonna add a supplement sport to help your main sport, and that's how I'm looking at uh, CrossFit for myself, uh, you have to still be training at a frequency enough to get the adaption um, so that you're not constantly starting over again so anything that's generally i would say anything that's over maybe one maybe two times a week is probably not enough to uh to find a um a huge adaption Mm -hmm. but uh, once you get beyond that three and four times a week um which means you have to probably cut down on some of the other stuff and i'm looking at it as a perspective of i'm already training between 10 and 15 hours a week in triathlon, which meant I needed to shift some stuff over because I didn't have another five hours to add into that, Mm -hmm. Um, not with working and and doing everything else. Um, So I needed to trim down on some of the stuff that I was doing in order to add this one in. But what I'm finding is the benefits of adding in uh, a different type of strength training and functional movement, I'm actually just as fit or more fit than I was by doing it the old way, and uh, and now it's gonna basically launch me into another category. So, uh, so anyway, thank you. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was really good. It was really good. Uh, it was really good perspective. I don't know. I don't know if we quite caught it either at the like as a if you're dedicated uh, CrossFit coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably not a ton of athletes that are coming in and saying, Hey, listen, I'm already doing this one sport and I'm trying to use this to help me do that one sport. You, you know, I do know that you do have a a bunch of, uh, young hockey players that are coming in and using this to get that, that extra strength and, uh, extra kick, volleyball, soccer, like, yeah. So it's, it's just neat to see. And then coming in. Uh, from my perspective, where it's like, yeah, listen, my sport is very different than this. Like hockey, there's a lot of strength and a lot of power and a <laughs> lot of like interval training. Um, where I'm coming in on a very methodical, aerobic-based uh, training uh, platform, and then I'm I'm adding in a very compared to what I do, I'm adding in a very high intensity or higher by quite a bit intense thirty to fifty minute of pretty solid work. In one hour, I'm walking out of here and I'm I'm probably just as wiped out as I, I would be in a three hour long distance ride. Um, but once you get to around that three, four, five times a week, um, all of a sudden, you're not sore anymore, you're, yeah, you get a little bit stiff, but I would if I hit the track two or three times a week too, I'm yeah. definitely gonna get stiff every time I challenge myself. Um, but those are actually signs that you're actually challenging yourself if you're going in there doing your thing and, and not coming out of there with any, any real change or fatigue or anything that you build up. Yeah. Uh, you, it's good to maintain, but it's definitely not going to challenge you to, to improve anymore. So.
0: Yeah. I think you've done a really... Good job, too, of taking it slow. And, and you're keeping triathlon your priority. So it's not like you've completely shifted and, like, this is a priority now. It's like you're using this to enhance Absolutely. Your, your triathlon abilities. So if
1: any, anybody that's thinking of jumping into, uh, into CrossFit training uh, with Stark or, or any, any of the groups out there, make sure that you're really honest with your coaches. So when I walked in, talked to Paul, hey, listen... I'm coming in here. Uh, I think it's, I think it's going to be a good fit. But listen, my perspective is I need to be really strong as a triathlon coach because that's not only my my livelihood, but um, if I can't do triathlon because I'm too banged up, mm-hmm. uh, it seriously impacts what I do. So, um, so here's my number one. This is what I'm training for. This is what's going to happen. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to. Need to really back off on trying to do the acceleration with the uh, with the CrossFit. Um, with that said, though, the strength is increasing. It's just I'm controlling how fast it's increasing, which is different. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing is we constantly bounce ideas off each other, so that uh, I know that I'm on the right path. I'm not challenging myself too much, so that I'm I'm actually maybe too sore to coach um or which, go I, do a long run on Saturday yeah, or I, whatever yeah you'll be running uh 20 to 25k or so on a Saturday morning but I just did five straight days of CrossFit and and then on Sunday I'm I'm back in the gym again well <laughs> if I'm if I'm so banged up from one sport to the next one uh I won't be able to hold on very long and then then yeah. I'm also walking into potential injuries yeah uh, where in this case, we're controlling it. So that's where, uh, as an athlete who's walking in here, you just need to be very honest on where you think you want to go and, and then let your coach know how it's going so that they can appropriately change or help you modify some of the workouts so that you can get the most benefit out of it uh, because this is something that we have to look at as a long-term gain this mm-hmm. is not something that you know yeah you go in there you sure you can blast yourself for 3 4 months and get into pretty decent shape in that short amount of time mm-hmm. but if you're not looking at any of this stuff in long term uh it's kind of useless it's like me getting ready to go look good in my wedding dress for 5 minutes so that I can let myself go the moment that I get married it's like yeah let's let's not look at that that's a <laughs> yeah. bad perspective let's yeah figure out how we can make this something where Yeah, you built this in. Yeah, you might have times where you spend more time training the sport uh, for a while. And then you have to back off a little bit based on work and relationships and, and uh, family and kids and all that kind of stuff. But the consistency overall is what's going to year in, year out, you're always going to be slowly regardless improving. And sometimes, yes, you do have a bit of uh, an acceleration improvement. And then other times it's a little slower, but you're always improving. And the one thing you definitely want to do is is not go backwards. Mm -hmm. So the backwards part that we all experienced going through the three years of COVID should have been a wake-up call really for everybody to go, holy smokes, I can't, I, I can't let myself do this because actually the comeback
0: mm-hmm.
1: is harder than the maintenance by far. Oh, hell yeah. Right? <laughs> like, uh, I, you know. Doing something is better than doing nothing, Oh, right? man. Like- <laughs> I don't know if anybody out there has tried to try to... Uh, uh, potentially lose weight even it's like it was easier just not to gain it in the first place than it is to like knock it off and uh um coming in with uh with my background too I can let you know that it's just as difficult regardless if I know what I'm talking about or not (laughs) to uh to get that to get that body back into a bit of a routine um, but once it's in the routine, it doesn't seem to be a very big deal. It just becomes part of your day. It's uh, yeah. it's, it's it's just a habit, right? Perfect, right? Yeah. And then you can keep chipping away at it. But yeah. uh, but starting and stopping was definitely was definitely bad news yeah. going through this uh, last three years. Yeah. So I'm glad we're I'm glad we're moving in the right direction for for both companies essentially. And, oh, and for sure. uh, as athletes, both of us are athletes. So we both, we can see both perspectives, which is a lot different than, uh, uh, than potentially other, other businesses, right? Yeah. We're, we're looking on for both ends. And, uh, so it's, a, it's
0: good. Yeah, no, for sure. No, that's, uh, that was a lot of info. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I said before, I think like your approach, I, I always want people to take a slower approach when they start out. Um, and I know you're you're lifting less than you could in classes, but once again, the priority is, is triathlon training and not being too sore for it. And it's amazing to hear that you're still seeing progress and making gains even though you are going lighter than you, you could, but still moving using different ranges of motion, Absolutely. using different muscles than you normally would. And and seeing progress, especially after doing a sport for like you know thirty two years, yeah, you've
1: got to detrain a lot of stuff to <laughs> be able to to but, do a big long stretched out lunge, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But it'll be interesting to see too once you once you get back on the road and you're on the bike and stuff like that. Just what kind of you know what kind of riding you're going to be able to do and how you're going to be able to like you know tackle hills and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah for sure, cool. the uh, the
1: top end speed is definitely a lot higher than what I've would have expected for not training top end speed for, uh, most of the, the winter. Yeah. Uh, and I suspect that the, uh, the cycling power is going to be way higher than, uh, than I expect for also not riding a ton this year to take that bit of a break that, uh, we all needed or I needed for sure. And, uh, so we'll see, we'll see. It's going to be an exciting year. Cool. Um, anything else you want to add? No, I think no. uh I think we pretty much touched on everything. Yeah uh how can people find you guys? Yeah, so we're we're on uh we're on um Uh it's so if you want to find the website, yeah. We're uh if you look on uh, triathlon Manitoba for the overall uh for different clubs and teams and, and uh stuff that's out there too. Uh, we're a little bit of a different entity, of course, because we are a year-round training program. Um, we're the only one that does that all year. Uh, but um, you can find us on their website too, and then that that'll get you in contact with me as well. Uh, you can find us obviously through Paul, if uh, if that's um, where your initial contact would be as well, and uh, social media. Social media, we're on Facebook and Instagram, and who um, is it at Winburn Race Team? Uh, yep, yeah, at Winburn Race Team. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm trying to think I about it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So as you can tell, I'm not the super tech savvy kind of guy. Um, but anyway, if you type it in, it'll pop up on Google search. It'll be everywhere. Okay. Uh, so Winburn Race Team, and uh, and you'll find us for sure. And then of course, any question that you have. Send me a, an email right away and I'll get back to you quickly. So it cool. should work out pretty good.
0: And do you have an OnlyFans page or anything like that? No, not, not yet. that fancy. Not yet? Yeah, okay. not yet. Maybe one not day. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll put some of those links in the show notes. And uh, thank you very much, Dave, for uh, spending some time with us this afternoon, talking about some triathons, some of the races you're putting on. And Hopefully, we'll get some people that are uh, maybe interested in signing up from. Yeah, that'll be great. Thanks for
1: the opportunity to uh, do this podcast with you. Yeah,
0: anytime. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions, send them out to us. I'll put some of those links for reaching out to Dave in the show notes if you have any questions about triathlon training or racing or anything like that. And hopefully, this episode made you a little bit better than yesterday. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for making the time to listen to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Stark Strength and Conditioning. If you liked our show, please head over to the iTunes store and give us a rating. If you have any questions or suggestions about topics you'd like to hear us cover, or people you think should be on this show, please let us know so we can make it happen. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that this podcast makes you better than yesterday.